passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Finsider Podcast on the Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Finsider Podcast on, well, the Finsider. And uh, like I mentioned last week, when I felt like Garth in Wayne's World, Kevin, also known as Mosul Dolphin, is out seeing a play. I think he might be seeing cats tonight or something. I don't know, but either way, he's not here. I'm Keith. You know me as KMB8488 until I get that name changed. And I'm joined by my good friend, James. You know him as Texas Cowpunk. James, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm trying to get used to this host thing in a hurry. So so Kevin's at cats? Yeah, he's seeing cats or Fiddler on the Roof. Again. Whatever. Either way, I mean, he uh, he's not here. He might be calling in later. So, uh, in the meantime, we're going to talk about a few things tonight, and then we're going right. to be take, taking some calls. So, if you want to call in, talk about whatever is going on in the NFL right now, anything that has been on your mind today, this week, give us a call at three four seven three two six nine four six one. All right, so let's go ahead and start off the conversation with the popular topic of the day, which is uh, the evidence coming to light of the Greg Williams-led Saints bounty gate. So you know, you're actually the one who told me about this today. So yes. I, almost, I almost feel like you might be the one to start us off because I woke yeah, up. I, I- I just I heard you know I I was listening to it on the radio on the sports station here, driving into Fort Worth this morning and I was I was actually shocked, you know by that uh, by it a lot of people have seen, sort of played it off but you know the uh, the part especially where he's it seems it seems to me that he's asking players to take shots at other players' heads, you know and and give them concussions he even mentions a concussion, um, and I think that's probably going to be his. Uh, death sentence as far as ever 
coaching or working in the NFL again. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think that's going to happen. I, not all of it r- bothered me. Uh, I've heard a lot of people refer to it as a rah-rah speech, and it's certainly that. It's getting guys pumped. I'm, From what it sounds like, it was the Friday night before that game because that was a Saturday afternoon playoff game. So... Right, it might, it, it, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that so it comes out, and I, I get most of it, and then he starts naming names of specific players. And I wasn't wild about the, the concussion mention, but it's hard to really hold hold him at fault for that when the Giants were pretty much saying the same thing the next week in the press, that they were going to go after Kyle Williams, who had a history of concussion, concussions, concussion symptoms. The, the ACL thing is where – where I really started to become sickened with the whole, the whole deal. The, the ACL was was bad, and uh, I made the mistake of looking and reading a lot of a lot of stuff about this whole thing today. And it, it was surprising how a lot of people were almost like defending the fact that oh, he didn't. Re- Williams wasn't really talking about going to a player's head. That was a figurative thing. How do you, in in what way? In what way is that yeah, bigger than when you say you're going to Frank Gore's head? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't take it that way. And 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 I and you know, and I've heard the arguments that this goes on all over the NFL, and it, and it may very well. But that's it's uh, you know that's that's the old argument, like you know, saying well, my buddy was doing it too, but well, but you're the one that got caught, and and now you've been caught red-handed, and the commissioner's already already come down on you. He, he's he's forced to do something with this. He can't just ignore it especially when he's got players that are suing him in court over concussions. He has, he has to at least put up the front, if, if for no other reason than legally, that uh, he's addressing any and everything along those lines to, to you know, try to put, it, you know, put a stop to it. Again, you guys are listening to the Finsider podcast, and in a little bit we're going to be taking your calls. So feel free to give us a call. It's 347-326. 9461. We'll go ahead and discuss whatever you guys have going on tonight. Uh, in the meantime, we're talking about the the evidence that came to light today uh, pertaining to Greg Williams and Saints Bounty Gate. And one thing that I, I thought about when I first heard about this this information this morning was, I mean, where did it come from? I sent you that text where you know, where did all of this information suddenly come from? And it turns out it comes from that a filmmaker. Right, right. The thirty the thirty thirty from thirty and thirty guy that did run, run Ricky Run and I guess he did a couple other films. But uh it it to me it kinda of shows the arrogance of Williams that he that he knew he was being videotaped and he just went ahead and spouted off and I guess I haven't seen the video but I guess he's He's making signs like he's rubbing money together when he's when he's talking about some of these hits and um you know, and this is this is after the after the fact as far as them being warned. I'm uh you know, it's it's just a case of him being caught red handed, but um yeah, I don't I don't know why this, this took so long to come out. That's 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 what I'm curious about. Right, he was rubbing his fingers together. I think he was saying, I have the first one. I have the first right, one. Right, right, right. Yeah. Basically I'll pay I'll pay for the first hit. I'll pay for the first knockout. You know, what, what, whatever he meant by that. 
I think that was when he was talking about going to Alex Smith's chin, too, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. So I, I'm not as surprised by this as some people. I've been reading for a couple of years now that Greg Williams is vicious, that his defensive units are uh, essentially bloodthirsty, and they're they're coached to play that way. They're they're coached to essentially take. Well, I mean, you have to balance along. I mean, like they're looking for the knockout blow. They're not going to hold back. They're aggressive. They're in your face. They're assertive. All things a great defense should be. Right. But then you're talking about taking out uh, Crabtree's ACL. And and then you you sit there and you're like, well, that's not the way you, you should be playing the game. No way. So that's that's where all of a sudden you go from from doing things the right way with, with coaching up a, an aggressive, fast defense, and it's it just looks bad. It's embarrassing, actually. Yeah, it's his approach seems seems highly un, unethical to me, regardless of whether other people are doing it. I you know. I'll go back to that. You know, I've seen that on, on the site, and I'm sure it's all over. You know, all over the internet. Well, everyone does it, but you know, I always think that's a that's a pretty shallow defense for, for doing wrong. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's interesting that all this came out on the day, when these these Saints people, Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, and I believe the other guy's name is Joe Vitt, that they're all appealing their, their suspensions. <laughs> yeah, they, they 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 should go ahead and tomorrow tomorrow send an email to the legal office that they withdraw those those appeals <laughs> and just go ahead and go home. I I didn't think they were gonna gonna get any relief from their suspensions anyway, and I certainly don't think they will now. I'm not sure that this would even affect Adele's decision. No, I mean I I, I thought about it and I thought you know he may let them come in and make their argument and you know maybe maybe he knocks it back by a couple games here and there you know. Um, shows a little leniency, but I, I think I think in light of this, he's going to say, "Look, you know, let's just call let's just call this even. You gone home, and and we'll, uh, you know, we won't take this any further." <laughs> yeah, uh, which kind of segue into our next topic, and that's something I wrote about yesterday. Our friend Mel Kuyper Jr. of ESPN has officially hopped on the Ryan Tannehill bandwagon after, man, he was sticking to his guns with the Riley Reef to Miami talk. The guy put out three mocks in the span of about two and a half months, and, I mean, he was sticking to it. We were going to take an offensive, an offensive lineman, a right tackle at number eight overall. He looks like he's kind of thinking with the, the rest of draft analysts out there who – have suddenly made Ryan Tannehill the hot pick at number eight, if not number four. You still have a lot of talk about him going to Cleveland. I do not believe that's going to happen. I don't think there's even a chance of that happening. But I mean, I've been wrong before. <clears throat> so my my, I mean, my my question is, since this regime is uh, taken over, any part of it, and I realize most of most of the original version of this regime is gone. But uh, since Ireland's been in town, has have the draft analysts ever been correct as far as who we we took in say the first second rounds? Uh, at times, 
I find that a lot of people uh, had had Pouncey going to us as early as January 2011, and I hate giving Mick Shea props, but he was on the the Pouncey the Pouncey to, to Miami wagon pretty early on. So I mean, you'll see it sometimes. And I mean, by draft day last year, everyone had Mike Pouncey going to going to the Dolphins. So I mean, it'll it'll come out at some point. But I mean, and I mean, I I'm trying to think in years past. Uh, let's see here. I'm I'm looking this up right now. Uh, at one point, both ESPN guys had us taking Vontae Davis in 2009, which was a pretty controversial pick at, at the time, if you remember, because a lot of people thought he was, had uh, character concerns. We have our uh, we have our first guest online. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ke- Kevin, Kevin's in the house. Yeah, yeah Kevin, you there? I'm, I'm your first guest. That's nice. <laughs> how was how was how was cats? It, it was nice. It was good. My son was oh, good, a good. think bug in play. Okay. Uh, I'm in the middle of driving home from it now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, um, Monte definitely was a controversial pick when uh, when we made it. So. I, I joined in about halfway through, right as you were giving props to uh, McShay there, Keith. No, oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't giving him props. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. But I mean, it seemed like he was – he was one of the first guys I saw out there who who had that, that pick in place. So, I mean, you, you'll see draft analysts – I feel like a lot of the time when these traffic analysts put stuff out there, they're just looking to get page views anyway. They're looking to drum up traffic by doing outrageous things. I think that happens a lot. But, I mean, you have a lot of people trying to explain how Ryan Tannehill can go at fourth overall. And the argument that keeps coming up, and I agree with it, is how are you going to draft him at number four overall when he's not going to start for you day one? Likely, you have no weapons to put around him. Even though they have that that number twenty two yeah. pick overall, it's just and he doesn't necessarily seem like a Mike Holmgren guy. He's I do love how uh, everybody keeps saying that it's a uh, he he could go to the um, to the Browns number four overall, and he's going to go to the Browns at number four overall, and every single mock has him still coming to us at eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like like you said, even the ESPN guys, they talk about McShay talks about it all the time. How oh he's going to go four overall and then mocks him to us. So I don't I don't understand it, you, but I think you're right. I think it's a page view thing. You think they're ready to quit on Colt McCoy already? I don't think they are. I mean. They don't have the weapons, like you said. How can they be ready to quit on him already when they haven't built the team around him? The only thing they had was Peyton Hillis, and he's gone, and they have Josh Cripps. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, remember when Josh Cripps was supposed to be traded to us? <laughs> uh, oh, good times, huh? Yeah. What's your, we were talking about the whole Greg Williams thing earlier, and you and I discussed this a little bit 
via text message today, but what's your whole whole take on that? Because yeah, there's a surprising amount of people who are coming out and saying that the, the Saints' penalties were too severe. I made the mistake of watching uh, whatever program Skip Bayless is on. It, el- it eludes me right now. And he had uh, – First take. Yes, thank you. And he had Jay Feely on there, who I, whom I completely dislike anyway. And he's talking about how Goodell's pretty much a sham and that this is this is something where he, he came down on the Saints too hard and everyone – this is – talk that yeah. goes on in every locker room. Some of that talk goes on in every locker room, I think. Yep. I mean, the, you want to be aggressive. Nobody goes out there and says, "Hey, we're going to just we're going to play at a medium tempo. Don't be too hard on these guys. Two hand touch them and uh we'll all be good." Yeah. yeah I, I I listening to it and I put it up on the site today. Uh if you guys have not listened to it, I recommend you do. But also be advised, it's not the bleeped out version. So if you're going to take offense to some strong language, it's there on the site. But uh, yeah, he, I, I have no problem with a good chunk of what he said. I don't have a problem with it until he starts specifically going, hey, let's take out his ACL. Crap, his ACL is our target. Seriously, you're going to specifically target a knee. You're going to ruin somebody's life and career. Specifically, I mean, if a guy hurt and injured in the scheme of play, that's great. But when you specifically go after the guy, there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. <laughs> it's... Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Jay Felix kept talking about how him, Williams talking about going to Frank Gore's head was a figurative thing that he was talking yeah. about removing the head. I don't. When you talk about how you're going to go to their head, affect the head, we're going to yeah, go to Frank Gore's head. Yep. Yeah, repeatedly. They're, that's that's no longer figurative in my opinion. Yeah. Now you're talking about literally going to the guy's head and sending a message. And then, uh, have you guys ever heard, um, oh, what's his name? Is it Cundiff that's the Vikings punter? Vikings punter. I think, I think that's Chris Cluey, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. It's Cluey. There you go. He has been on, I've heard him a couple times on, uh, I think it's the Doug Gottlieb show, maybe, on ESPN okay. Radio. And he just goes off on how horrible Greg Williams is. <laughs> he, I mean, it's, it's, he, he's like, look, if that guy never gets on a football field again, I'm happy. I believe that the NFL is a redemption sport. We give second chances. Look at Mike Vick. That's his example. I mean, and it's true. They do. But I think there's also a difference between a player getting a second chance and a coach who is supposed to be the authority figure for the team getting a second chance. And this is nothing new coming from the, the Greg Williams side of things. I, I remember hearing about this a lot when he was in Washington. I remember hearing about this when, when he was in yeah. Buffalo. I mean, this is... what, gets me, what gets me the most on all this is the Saints were given a chance. Hey, stop doing that. Okay. And then they kept doing it. <laughs> and apparently he's so comfortable with this rhetoric and 
living life this way, that he did it knowing there were video cameras in the room. I mean, it's such a culture thing that he's just, hey, it doesn't matter. I can say whatever I want. It's the definition of arrogance, in my opinion. Yes. It really is. And it's not surprising. I've I've never really been a big fan of Greg Williams. I'm interested to hear the the whole Cluey thing as to why why he has such a problem. I think it's funny that all these special teams people are speaking up. Yeah. Or they or they have right. you know Bernard Pollard was going off on Goodell. I mean I I expect these defenders to do that. I mean yeah. I don't really care what Jay Feely thinks. I think Jay Feely has had too much muscle milk. I think it's gone to his head. But <laughs> you know I'm so jacked. But these let's hear some some quarterbacks. Let's hear some receivers who who have been clotheslined. Let's hear what they yeah. think about it. I would love, love to hear Crabtree's reaction to this. No. Oh, I can almost, I can, yeah, I can imagine what, what Crabtree would end up just talking about himself. Probably. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I, that's, um, that's usually that guy's MO. But. Was it, was it you, James, that asked me, um, what do I, maybe, I can't remember now, but me, do you think Dante Davis <laughs> All I heard is Vontae Davis. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, you're, you're breaking up, brother. You're, you're, uh, you're driving through a canyon or something. Nice. That's, uh, that's what I was going for. Oh, you're back now, so you can go ahead and, and restate <laughs> no, was, that. Somebody asked me, and I, it might have been James, I can't remember now, but he asked me, what do you think Vontae Davis would have thought sitting in a locker room hearing somebody say that about Vernon Davis? Yeah, I think he would have been pissed. That's his brother. <laughs> yeah, those two are close, too. Yeah. How do you get him to Miami? Oh, sorry, that's a whole other pipe dream. Yeah, that's, we could use him, though. <laughs> yeah, he's he, – I mean, he's Minus minus the head case, you know, here you know, the little theatrics that he has that, that gets him fifteen yard penalties. I could do without those, but we need we need a player like him for sure. He is better than he used to be. I mean, I remember looking at footage when Mike Nolan was coaching those guys, and I mean, Vernon Davis was a problem. He was fighting guys in practice, uh, and then the whole thing where Singletary sent him off. I mean, that guy was a legitimate case to deal with and I mean he's still not a a polished product in terms of behaving himself all the time but it certainly seems like he's he's made some strides in that department yep so at least we have that yeah all right we're still going to be taking calls in a little bit I'm going to say the number again it's 347-326-9461 I was about to say that I think we had a caller a second ago, and I was about to take that and look down, and they are gone. So it, yeah, he uh, he he dropped, and now he's on the site saying he's apologizing for dropping. <laughs> well, he's allowed to call back in if he wants. Correct. I was hoping it was Chris Cluey. It's not. So or Greg Williams to tell us how sorry he is. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be hearing from Greg Williams. All right. Oh. Okay, I'm back. You're back? Okay. I'm back. I don't know what happened there. I 
my phone dropped the call again. You are a failure. I am. It's okay. I am. But I'm I'm, I'm actually okay with that. That's fine. <laughs> going through and, and, and looking through some of the the other NFL news going on, uh, not as much as I expected. Uh, I feel like the draft's creeping up on us a little bit. I've been so caught up with other things, I realized that we're essentially, what, three weeks? Yep. From the draft? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, did not for somebody who pays so much attention to the draft, did not see that one coming. So It is 20 days, 22 hours, 37 minutes, and 10 seconds away. You're looking at that counter, aren't you? <laughs> I looked at the counter on the website, yeah. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Uh, you're just so, there for a reason. So suppose we're we're there. We're at number eight, and we have a, a couple of options. Suppose Justin Blackman drops, and he's a, I don't know what happened. Maybe St. Louis trades back. Maybe somebody wanted to get up and get a Morris Claiborne, or somebody really likes Riley Reef and thinks that they just have to have that guy on their offensive line. So somebody drops. Maybe Trent Richardson, Justin Blackman. Suppose those guys are available when you're making that pick at number eight. What would you do? If it's Blackman, I'm taking him in a heartbeat. I had a feeling you'd say that. I'm, I'm not what, even hesitating. Me, me too, <laughs> and I, but not Richardson. I'd trade down. Yeah. I, I'm, Unless I'm there was someone else that we coveted. I, I trust uh, – um, I, I trust uh, – why am I blanking on Reggie Bush's name all of a sudden? I trust Bush, and I have faith that uh, uh, Thomas Daniel Thomas will still develop. I, I I'm good without Richardson. I think Thomas will develop too. I think that considering the fact he didn't go through any sort of orthodox training camp, exactly didn't didn't get the the, the full rookie experience coming in. I mean that guy pretty much had to hit the ground running. Yep. So I'm so, um, I'm I'm good with where we are at running back. I think we have other needs that we have to look at, but yeah, in a heartbeat, if Blackman was there, I'm taking him. All right. How about you, James? Now, is there is there anyone who makes you think, yeah, I'd rather have him than Ryan Tannehill at number eight? Probably only Blackman. Both Blackman fans. Problem with I I like Blackman. The thing is, I like Michael Floyd a lot too. The guy from from Notre Dame. Right. So and I I feel like after it's funny because I suspected that he was a a ten to fifteen talent, and now people are saying that after his pro day because I guess he he performed really well earlier this week, and interestingly enough, he had Jimmy Clausen throwing him passes, which almost makes me not want to have anything to do with him, but not <laughs> not quite. So I like Michael Floyd. I like Blackman. A lot of people think Jacksonville is going to take Melvin Ingram now. That's becoming a, a unanimous pick. I don't know if you guys have seen that. So I, I haven't noticed it becoming a unanimous pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. I've noticed it. There, there was talk about it, but, yeah, if uh, Blackman, even if Sherman likes Tannehill, Strange. Uh, okay, that that that's a great question. Um, 
I probably would. I probably would still take Blackman, even if Sherman likes Tannehill, because if you take uh, Blackman, you're putting him on the field right away. Tannehill's we're not putting on the field, so Blackman's helping us this year. I'd probably go Blackman over Tannehill, even if Sherman liked him. Um, I I couldn't fault the pick if uh, we say Sherman 100% believes in Tannehill and we took it and we skipped Blackman. I couldn't fault it because I have to trust the coaches. But I would personally go Blackman over Tannehill. I think you could get a quarterback later, maybe not this year, but you could get a quarterback later. And Dolphin88 likes Floyd over Blackman. Aha, see? So, I mean, there's there's a few of us out there. I do. Uh, don't get me wrong. I like Blackman a lot. But Floyd just – I don't know, maybe it's because I, I live in Chicago. I'm very cl- somewhat close to South Bend where that guy plays. So I had a, a chance to hear a lot about him, watch him. I do like him. Uh, what you just said uh, is a good – segue because suppose we want to take a quarterback in the second round, the dreaded second round quarterback <laughs> yeah. that we've been talking about. Are you, are you interested in doing that? And if so, who would you take? I'm probably the guy that's going to get the hate mail for it, but I'm taking Whedon. Oh my. I, I'm, I'm taking him. I, I'm, I'm accepting the fact that he's older, but you know what? Everybody says he is ready right now. He has the skill set. He's just not going to be around for as long as a 21, 22 year old kid. I'll take yes, him. All, if he can give me no. if he can give me five years, I'm okay with that because that's five years till we have to find the next quarterback, and that gives us time to find the right guy and start developing him. All right, we'll we'll come back to that. We've got a a caller right now, James. Uh, I don't know who this is. And oh, we don't have a caller anymore. Oh, man, why does this keep happening to us? <laughs> it's like people rethink it. They're like, I'm just not committed enough to this. Hang in there, guys. <laughs> we'll get to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally trying to segue in. Uh, Whedon is a, a polarizing figure. Every every second-round quarterback this year is going to be a polarizing figure. We already know that Cousins could be in the mix. My personal favorite is Brock Eisweiler. So go ahead and send your hate mail my way. I'm ready for it. I I like Brock. I, I think he has a lot of potential there. I just personally, I would go Whedon. It's understandable. Are we ready to take this call? Sure. This this masked oh, man oh. who keeps calling in. Oh. But James is talking to him right now, so let's uh, let's oh. And he's gone. Uh, uh, we're just not taking that guy's call now. Next time he calls in, it's not it's not happening. He's going to be punished now. What happened, James? <laughs> you get the text from all. No, I said hello, hello, <laughs> hello, and no one was there. So, animal was you trying to call in? Was he's that driving. animal trying to call in? I don't know. I just I, he's in the chat room right now, so I'm asking him. Oh, Duke, Duke says he's trying to call in. It might, it might have been Duke. Oh. Could be. I like Osweiler. Uh, no matter which way you spin it this year, 
the guy we bring in is likely going to be somewhat of a development. I mean, people are saying Whedon could be a development, although with his maturity, maybe he picks things up a little quicker. Uh, if we're if we're talking about a second round quarterback, though, I'm not against taking Osweiler. I'm just I'm just not. I see a lot from that guy's tape that I like. I see some things I I've just like a, too. I've got a Whedon question for you, Keith. Okay. If 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 that kid is say 21, 22 right now, where 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 does he fall in the draft? He'd be uh, probably a top fifteen guy. Okay, so so basically the only knock against him is his age. Uh, but, his age, yeah. the offense he comes from, I think some people are a little bit leery of uh, the fact that right. it's, it seemed like he he. Le- I mean, he had a. Anytime you have a, a quarterback with a great receiver, like he had with Blackman, but you're going to see the question come up of. Is it the fact that this guy's a great quarterback, or is it the fact that this guy had some real receiving talent? But, there but, but, make... but if it's going to push, but that, but his age is what's essentially pushing him down an entire round, is it not? It is the main detractor. See, see, and I, and I, and I don't get that because, you know, like like Kevin said, you know, five years, five years is good. I mean, that's that's your average for a quarterback. Very few guys make it ten, ten, twelve, thirteen years. That that's not the norm. And so if we get a guy that's in there five or six, seven years, I'm fine with that. And another thing people overlook is he doesn't have the wear and tear on his body that a, the you know quarterback of his age normally has at this point. Who does uh, – I'll ask both of you this question. Who does Whedon remind you most of as an NFL quarterback? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. He reminds me of Jay Cutler. Really? Yeah, uh, just the way the way he is in the pie. I don't know if he's – I mean, Jay Culler's a pretty athletic guy, but just the way I've watched Brandon Whedon in the pocket in his time at Oklahoma State, uh, the arm strength that he has, the way he gets rid of the ball, I, for some reason I, I think of Jay Culler when I see that guy play. And I mean, I like Jay Cutler. I talk about that on on the site a lot. I was really into the Dolphins getting Jay Cutler in 2006. Obviously, didn't work out that way, and we instead were given the gift of Jason Allen. But it is it, it is what it is. Was, it, was, it, was, it, was that was that a gift? It was. It was uh, well, <laughs> well, I mean, if we had gotten his family too, maybe it would have been a gift. Yeah. Well, oh, it, no, yeah. That was like our, our parting gift from Nick Satan. Yes. The let's, gift uh, of uh, Oh, go ahead. Let's go ahead and bring uh, Chris in, the Duke, the Earl. Let's go ahead and bring him in and see what he thinks on this quarterback issue. Hey, Chris, you're on the air. What's up? Or you he's not sure. He, he's not on my board at all, man. Oh, he's on my board. Yeah, I see him too. Okay, never mind. We didn't want to talk to you anyway. Uh, I feel like we're being messed with here. <laughs> it's it's not good though because it's the Duke messing with us. I know. I just told him. Yeah, I told him to call back in. I I, I tried to answer his call when he popped as soon the second it popped on, and there was no one there. Assuming that was him. Right. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> Oh, dude, I'm so disappointed in you. 
Okay, so what do you guys take on this? Uh, I, it's kind of it was big news briefly, and then it went away because of everything else going on. But the uh, the uh, Koamisi arrest. We were just talking about that before we went on air, actually. Were you? Oh yeah. Oh boy. James, I'll let you start on this because I thought you made some good points. If you don't know, guys, before uh, James gets in on this, Misi was arrested apparently back in June. He got into a fight. Um, The initial reports say a bar fight. The reports from Misi's attorney say that he and a group of friends were walking through a neighborhood, and somebody in the neighborhood started an altercation. I'm guessing that this altercation then included Misi ending the altercation. But, yeah, so he (laughs) – he apparently had a arrest warrant finally after what six months, eight months, finally uh, come down in California. So he was arrested in Florida and is he's not fighting extradition to California. So James, from there you can take it. Um, I still think he's on the he's talking to someone. Oh, okay. I didn't get to read too much into the the Colomisi situation. It sounded like somebody wanted to get really familiar with him, and it didn't work out. Uh, yeah. So I, the joke I made. Uh, <laughs> reading this note here, the the joke I made immediately is when they said that Colomisi was in a battery thing. Is I can guarantee you that it wasn't against a, an opposing quarterback. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is what it but is. I I'm really beginning to think that Nisi and I know he gets a lot of flack, I'll say, uh because he's not the sack specialist out there dominating. Um but I really think that he might be the Channing Crowder model. The guy that's out there, he does a solid job, but you can never look at that one stunning moment and go, yep, that's why we got him. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's something where he hasn't done what he was brought in to do, unfortunately. Yeah. And because he's tied to the, the Parcells regime, that's not going to help his case either. I feel like any any sort of patience the fan base would have with that guy is already short because of the the whole Parcells connection. So yeah, they brought him in to be a an, a pass rushing linebacker, and it hasn't worked out that way. He's had some good plays. I remember there were a couple of things he did his rookie year that I saw and thought, hey, we could build on this. But yeah, doesn't Animal seem like it ever workhorse. Animal calls him a workhorse and not a star. That's probably dead on exactly what he is. Yeah, he's workmanlike, you know. He's one of those guys where he'll come in, he can do uh, most of the jobs you ask, he can take on the run. But, I mean, he's not somebody who's going to become familiar with opposing quarterbacks. He's not a guy who who is going to constantly get into the backfield and do damage. So you see him more as an inside linebacker than an outside linebacker in a yeah. 3-4? Oh, definitely. And I think a lot of people have talked about that. I, yeah. I feel like that, that's that been going on for a while, the, the whole idea of, of moving him and taking him inside. Yeah. I know we had a story up 
what, a couple months ago now about exactly that, that the Dolphins were looking at moving him uh, inside? Yeah. We had we had a point where a lot of people thought we should move Misi. People thought Davis should be moved to safety. People thought Sean Smith should be moved to safety. I mean, you'll get that. But I'd say that Misi's definitely a candidate to be kicked inside. To uh, to tie that on to what we already said, um, I get so nervous when we start talking about moving cornerbacks to safety simply because the Jason Allen experience didn't work so well. He didn't have a position to begin with, though. That's why I hated that pick. I mean, I mean, look, he, the guy was a, a, a workout warrior type, great athlete. Uh, well, unfortunately, my introduction to Jason Allen was not not a strong one, and I remember that was when he was playing for Tennessee. And coincidentally, he was playing Auburn, whose running back was Ronnie Brown at the time. And yeah. Ronnie Brown bulldozed Jason Allen to the point where I just I felt bad for him. I felt bad for his family. I felt bad for Tennessee Volunteers fans. I mean, you name it. It, it was it was hard to watch. So I mean, and then we draft that guy uh, a couple of years later, and I'm thinking, where do I know that name before? And I and then I thought about it, and I was like, oh man, that was the guy who got the Bosworth treatment by <laughs> by Ronnie Brown. So it wasn't favorable to start out. Uh, great athlete, good speed, uh, great size for uh, for someone in the secondary. I think he was in the six foot six one range, and he was what? He was north. He was right around two twenty, wasn't he? I think so. I think that's I mean, right. He's yeah, a, he's a big boy, but he just didn't really have enough familiarity with. Oh, look at James going off here. Just didn't have enough familiarity w- with a, a specific position in the secondary. Like he wasn't a sleuth cornerback. Certainly had the athleticism to be to be a, a great safety, but I don't think we ever saw the kind of awareness and just instinctual value you look for in a player at that position. But yep, and uh, animal, I. Uh... 100% agree with your statement in the chat room. Fans don't want uh, – let me try again. Fans don't seem to want to give rookies any time to develop anymore. It's come out blazing or cut them and move on. Agreed. I, uh, 100%. I, I can't agree with you any more than that. That is absolutely true. If you do not hit the field and blow it up immediately, fans want you gone because there's somebody that's sexier out there somewhere. <laughs> oh boy that's funny though oh James come back to us where are you crickets crickets <laughs> I know I, I crickets I'm wondering where he went I, I want to be able to take calls but it doesn't seem like it's going to work out So. yeah I don't know what's going on with this oh Strange posted the uh, Ronnie Brown highlight <laughs> I told you it was bad. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. <laughs> it's uh Ronnie Brown knocks off player's helmet while scoring a TD. That's put it nicely. <laughs> I mean, he just he just takes him in there. Ronnie Brown looks yeah. like an automobile. <laughs> he just hits him like a ton of bricks. Uh, 
But um, what do you, what do you? Uh, I don't know. Did you guys already talk about the jerseys? No, we haven't talked about anything uniform related. So, what did you think of the jersey change? Were you surprised that it didn't actually change anything, really, or maybe a little bit, just because I wasn't sure how how Nike was going to address the the situation. I wasn't sure. I mean, who was going to get it? I figured they weren't going to mess with with a lot of the classic uniforms, like you know the Bears. I think we talked about this with the Browns, Giants, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you you, you can, you're not really going to see a reboot of any of those those right. uniforms. And I didn't expect us to get much of one either. But I mean, I, I like the. I'm... Oh, go ahead. Go on. Go on. I like the uniforms. I I think they look. They look great. I wish they'd take away some of the navy. Not a huge fan of the that drop shadow thing they have going on. I've yeah. never really been a fan of it. Even when they changed the uniform and changed the logo in 97, I was never a huge fan of of that that drop shadow look. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind going to a navy jersey. But yeah, I don't think we need the drop shadow navy there. Right. Right. Um I really like the fact that it's now a matte finish instead of, I don't know, was it glossy before or I don't know. But it was like a, a, a shiny, uh, meshy type. Yeah. I'd say. I like, I like the matte finish. So it'll look a little darker. It won't sparkle as the old one used to do at times. Yeah, that's fine. But, you look at the, the highlights of Dan Marino in his first few seasons when he was wearing that that 84, 85 Dolphins uniform, and I didn't think those were right. they just They just look good. Yeah. But then again, I think that anything Dan Marino did sparkled. Well, you got me there. <laughs> I guess that's true. But I, I'm okay with the, the uniforms looking that way. I When I, I saw them come up, I'm just glad they didn't do anything ridiculous, make them any more cartoonish or over the top. Yeah. So what do you think of the Seahawks jersey? Well, it, it, it took a little bit to get used to because, I mean, it, they did get a major overhaul. They really did. And the numbers. The NFL. Yeah, the the numbers are the are way different. The, the helmets are really striking because I think that, that hawk on both sides uh, comes, I mean, it comes together at the back of the helmet, if I remember yeah, right. it starts at the back, yep. I mean, so it's it's a really aggressive and aggressive uh, looking uniform, and now I think they went with I think they have like that lime green piping that goes through yep. the uniform. I mean, it's striking. It's it's flamboyant, but I, I like bright colors. It doesn't bother me. I think it looks good. Yeah, I do. I I think that it's I think it's one of those that it's so different that at first you're like, what on earth is that? And then in the end, you were you're like, oh, it's not actually that bad. Um, I, I think the uh, the piping down the side of the pants it's supposed to represent the feathers of the bird, and then it has I think it has twelve individual feathers for the twelfth man that they represent with the fans. Of course. And then they also inside the collar it has the number twelve. Oh, um, I wonder if Texas A and M is going to sue them for that. They apparently they did they tried to a couple years ago. Yeah, I remember that. I wonder if they'll go back to the well and see if they can pull that off with their our twelfth man is better than your twelfth man and he was here first. I will say, let me see. Um I got an email 
and I don't remember if he says uh, who he is on the site. I won't give his name, but let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Um, hey, guys, can you hear me again? By yeah, the way, there you are. Yes, we can. Hi, welcome back. I, I, I've been there the whole time. Um, you guys couldn't hear me. I don't know why. <laughs> so I hung up and called back in. We made it that way. Yeah, Apparently, the thanks. system really hates us the last two weeks. Yeah, I've I've tried to answer several calls, and uh, and I, I apologize to everybody out there that's calling in because uh, I don't know what the technical difficulty is. Hopefully, we'll get it ironed out. Um, I am switching over, trying to answer your calls, but uh, I hear nothing but static on the other end, so I don't know. I don't know what the what the situation is. <laughs> uh, of course, yesterday, so you guys know, yesterday we ran a little practice one, and everything worked perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, it worked great we, yesterday. We tried to uh, we tried to just do a quick rehearsal so that we didn't have the same technical difficulties we had last week this week, and now we're having different ones. Well, what's the old adage? Technology will fail you when you need it most. Oh, of course it will. Computers make life so much simpler, don't you know that? Yeah, they do. Um, so this email I got, it doesn't say who he is on the site, but uh says, uh, if I'm in the first 100 emails on the subject, then not a lot of Aggies read your stuff. There's no such thing as a former Aggie. We are always Aggies. If you want to test that, ask an Aggie. They, like me, will quickly correct you. For the record, I live in Aggie country. <laughs> Tannehill is still a former Aggie because he is a former Aggie quarterback, which is what the former Aggie part is. But, yes, okay, I, I will I will grant you that Aggies are crazy. Aggies, um, yeah – I think crazy is probably a good way to put it. Let's <laughs> just leave it at that, crazy. Uh, when when I was a commander uh, a couple of years ago, um, of the seven company, troop, or battery commanders that were with us, three of the seven were Aggies. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we got a lot of the Aggie um, culture in our unit. Why was this guy bringing up this whole Aggie thing? Was it was it pertain to Tannehill or? Yeah, to Tannehill. I was gonna say, I wonder if somebody called him a former Aggie or something. Yeah, it either it. Uh, if it was me, I I probably I'm probably the one that did it, and I probably meant it as former Aggie quarterback, which <laughs> is former quarterback, not former Aggie. But hey, that's okay. I just found that email funny. I will say that um, you weren't in the first 100 emails on the subject. You were the only email on the subject. <laughs> so apparently I don't have any other Aggies that listen or that read. <laughs> well, and that's not necessarily true. We have Bacon, although Bacon hasn't contributed at all. That's true. And I think he he's speaking of people who are former Aggies. I think he soared off that school, didn't he? Uh, he might have. I don't remember. Because I think I want to say he's at Colorado State now, or something. And I remember he he just said that he was washing his hands of the Aggies. So those two need to meet, uh, Mister Always an Aggie and uh, a confirmed former Aggie. Um, Adam wants to see the cartoon dolphin with J Lo's butt on the uniform. Ah, uh, Mark Anthony would I'm love that. Of- I'm kind of worried about that. That one that wouldn't fit on the helmet. 
<laughs> Some junk in the trunk. But. It's ridiculous. No, I've heard a lot of people say they want to go back to the old Dolphin, which I, I wouldn't have a problem. I like the, the current Dolphin. I think it looks cool. If they went back to the old one, I'd be fine with that, too. I'm not... I w- I don't think I'd mind the dolphin. I don't want the sun rays back. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm okay without the rays coming off the sun. Oh, I always thought that looked kind of funny. But yeah, um, I still don't think. I know somebody on the site today wrote, "Why do we have a dolphin picture of I mean hoop or something?" Which it kind of does look like. I'll give them that, but it is actually supposed to be the sun. <laughs> but yeah, flaming hoop. Uh, let's bring Flipper back. Let's get us Joe Robbie Stadium for him. Fine. Are we having problems with the podcast now? It sounds like people can't hear it. Um, I know uh, Earl posted he couldn't hear it, but then somebody else posted. I think Strange posted right afterwards he can hear it. So. Oh boy. I'm not then- showing it. But here, let me uh, let me try something, and I'll find out. But in the meantime, um, uh, sorry, I'm hitting stuff at the same time now. Unacceptable. My is not working. <laughs> okay. Come on, iPad, work. This is interesting. Did you see what Strange just put down about uh, that SB Nation Aggie blog thing? Um, no, I'm listening to the podcast right now. Sorry, I'm... Listening to yourself, you narcissist. He, uh, I am. It's about five he, seconds delayed. Well, <laughs> what, what he put down there is uh, it was a poll at, at, SB, at the Aggie SB Nation blog, which I've never been to. But he, he put a poll down there that said, does Ryan Tannehill have what it takes to be an elite QB in the NFL? And this is how they responded. 26% said absolutely. 35%, probably not elite, but still a solid starter. 22%, perhaps yes, perhaps not, who knows. 11% said he can be a solid backup. 4% said not a good player. I think it's interesting that you think that the most votes would have gone to the top at absolutely. The fact yeah. that the fattest part of that poll is at the probably not elite, but still a solid starter section, uh, interesting. I'll really interesting. Six, I'll still take 61% saying at least a solid starter. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that makes sense. We've I'll talked about that. If you look at it, I mean, it's 3, 11, 26, 30, 50, 68 votes. So it's or, not a huge sample size yet. Or Bacon wasn't a fan of him either, and I can never understand why. I think it's because he wasn't Andrew Luck, but which I think is the main problem that I think a lot of Dolphins fans have with Ryan Tannehill is that he's not Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin the third. And it, it, I admit that it, it still bothers me that we're not going to get a, a get a crack at RG three. I had such grand dreams of us bringing that guy in. Um, I'm going through the comments right now, and comments are all starting to say that, yeah, they can hear us still. So cool. 
I don't know if Earl's having issues, but everybody else seems to be able to hear us. Earl's having the same issues as his phone, evidently. I guess so. Yeah, it is what it is. And it's okay. Uh, we can roll. We can roll with it, even when we have an error-ridden uh, production such as this. I'm I'm very glad to see that my brother can still hear us. That's all that matters. Yeah. Oh, Anish was <laughs> one of the people who called in. I fine. Personal reason he had to disconnect. Dude, if you had to go to the bathroom, just say it. That's <laughs> not, not a personal reason. <laughs> okay, how long till we get the first uh, phone call where somebody's actually in the bathroom? Hey, can you guys hear me now? You're back. Hey, we can hear you again. Yeah, I'm. I'm putting people on hold, but uh, it's not. It's not coming through. Interesting. So, Those people aren't even coming up on mine. Yeah. So I'm, I, I was able to. I was, them. I, I, I was able to have a nice. Uh, I was not. I was able to have a nice conversation with the rice and beans, though. He seems like a good guy. I'm the, not even uh, seeing them, but I'm seeing the little drop down that says they've dropped. Yeah, that's that's uh that's problematic. Right, rice and rice and beans. His his question was was more more to the uh, you know going back to the draft and, and the eighth position. If if we were GM, he wanted to know who who you guys would take specifically if you were the GM with that eighth pick. Not who you think they'd pick, but but who you would pick. Is trading down an option? Um, I I, I don't know why not. Okay. Uh, Kevin, while I'm thinking, you go first. Um, my first prior, my first choice would probably be to trade down. Um, if I had to take the pick, I'd probably either – I'd probably go back and forth between either Ingram or uh, Tannehill, unless Blackman's still sitting there. How about you, James? I'd probably go Tannehill because I'm so desperate for a quarterback, but I really like Ingram. And, you know, like he said, he said, you know, if Blackman's there, then you take him because because of his talent. Here's the way I, I look at our our draft board right now. That we have we have three pretty big needs, in my opinion. Quarterback, pass rusher, wide receiver. I mean, we have other, other holes on the roster, obviously, but those are the, the three big ones, in my opinion. So now you would say who's available for each for a quarterback at that spot. You're only talking Tannehill. At wide receiver, you're talking Blackman if he's available. Uh, Floyd likely will be available unless Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville's proven in the past that they're not afraid to to chase somebody who would be considered a reach. I mean, I think they took Tyson uh, Eluwalu. I can't remember how to say that guy's last name, but I think they took him 10th overall two years ago. And he wasn't anywhere near there on just about anyone else's draft board. So Floyd, uh, I think that's too high for Kendall Wright, although Kendall Wright is arguably my favorite receiver in this draft. And then for pass rushers, you're talking Quentin Copels, Melvin Ingram. Unless something else happens, those are the two big shots who you can take at that spot. So, I mean, which guy is the best of those three. 
mean, you could make the case uh, maybe maybe Ingram. I think of those three, I'd go Ingram. I think Ingram Ingram has crazy upside. For uh, and I can't remember the last guy who was had that kind of build and that kind of versatility. I mean, Dwight Freeney had that that sort of build, but I mean, he was a defensive end in Indianapolis. I mean, he was just that that spitfire defensive end, and he was rolling that spin move. I mean, Ingram has a spin move too, by the way. I so that's where I would struggle on that draft board is figuring out which guy from those three groups is the best. Overall, if it's Blackman, I mean Blackman's available. Maybe you just go ahead and take take care of your wide receiver thing there. If if Sherman comes in and says, "Yeah, Tannehill's absolutely worth it," get that guy in here. Maybe it's him. Yeah. The fact that he had that guy playing wide receiver for so long though gives me pause. I I, I see it, but at the same time, I see it like he already had two guys in front of him. Why not use his athleticism, get him on the field, and let him learn the schemes and the playbook and everything from the wide receiver side? Because then he's seen it from the, when he's playing quarterback, he's seen the same thing the wide receivers saw, see, because he ran it. He ran those routes. He knows those routes because he was just over there doing it. So I, I, I can see both sides of it. Um, you're right. If he was a absolutely stellar, 100% going to be the man quarterback coming in, he never would have been over there at wide receiver. Yeah. But okay, so here's one for you. Uh, Blackman falls. We take him at eight. Do you take Wheaton in the second round? Uh, if he's available, I'm. <laughs> I'm not so sure Wheaton's going to get out of the first round at this point. He, he might not, but. But so, I if mean. We, if we don't take Tannehill, then Tannehill's still sitting there for whoever would take Wheaton. Hmm, interesting. Uh, could be Cleveland. Maybe Cleveland makes that move. Maybe Seattle follows through. The there's, a, um, there's a question in the comments of uh, if we don't take Tannehill, does KC? Uh, see, that's that's another tough one because that team's close to win now mode. They've got a lot of talent on defense, a lot of talent. We saw that, and I mean, I take pride in the fact that we we essentially beat that town that beat that team down last year. And those guys, I mean, they they had a rough year. They had a lot of injuries. Losing Eric Berry almost immediately was terrible. Uh, but I mean, they're they've got a lot of great players. Tom Bahali has turned into a stud. Derek Johnson's really good. Their defensive line has been maligned at points, but I think Len Dorsey has turned out to be halfway decent on that line. Tyson Jackson has done good work. Uh, Brandon Flowers is a stud corner. So I mean, those guys aren't those guys aren't in a, a, a state where they can sit around and just let things build. They've got some outstanding talent. I mean, they can win now. So I'm not so sure Tannehill makes sense for them, unless they think that magically that guy is going to be their starter week one, or at least compete to be their starter. Alejandro, oh, go ahead. Alejandro posts a great question. If you put Barkley and Jones back into this draft, where does Tannehill go? Uh, behind Barkley and probably ahead of Jones, in my opinion. So you still think first? 
or do you think he falls into the second? Uh, I would say he'd probably regress to a late – I think that Jones and Tannehill still would have gone in the first. I think that Landry Jones is built to just destroy a pro day. I mean, he's got fantastic arm strength. I mean, get him out there, get him comfortable. He The problem with that guy is he never looked comfortable last season. And, I I mean, I know you were watching him because we, we had quite a few discussions about him. Yeah. But it was one of those things where, hey, we could be drafting this guy because we thought he was going to come out. So we were watching his games, and I didn't think he ever looked comfortable. I thought he, he I, fought it yeah. all year. And, and I worry, I think his draft stock's going to fall even more next year. I don't see him coming back and having a good year this upcoming year either. It's going to be tough. He's losing Broyles, who is his go-to guy. I mean, you can make a, make a case that that was a big reason why he didn't look comfortable, because Broyles wasn't there. I mean, they've got that Blake Bell guy who is just an absolute monster. He's like uh, some kind of hurt. He's like Tebow mixed with... I don't know, Chuck Norris. I mean, go ahead and insert your stupid joke here. But guys like <laughs> he's six six and he's one of those things where he's one of those guys where they bring him in, you know he's running the ball and nobody can stop him. So yeah, it's one of those things where he's gonna he's gonna have a hard go of it this year. He could be he could come back and just dice defenses though. You you never know. He's got a fantastic arm. Hey James, you still here? I am still here. Hey, we've got somebody on hold. Oh, great. Let's, take the, let's see if this works. I don't see it. <laughs> I see it. Okay. Okay, let's just put them on the air and see who it is. <laughs> All right, let's, let's fly blind. All right, you're on the air. Hey, guys, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if I know all your real names. I probably know your Twitter handles or from uh, the Finsider, but uh, it's Bill from FinNation.com. How's everybody doing tonight? Hey. Hey, good. How you doing? Doing well. Doing this all right. is, this is Kevin slash Mosul. <laughs> hey, what's up, Mosul? I'm just driving over from class. I figured I could listen to you guys on my iPhone, so I just wanted to pose a question to you guys about the draft. Um, if the Dolphins could come out of the draft with uh, Tannehill in the first, and Nick Perry in the second, would you rather have that or take somebody like Ingram in the first and get Whedon in the second? Which combination would you like better? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, good question. <laughs> I know, I know which one I'd go with. Uh, the, the Ingram-Whedon co- connection. Yeah. I, I, would, I would take that. That's probably the way I would lean. Um, I like Perry, but it's Telling me that that uh, yeah, and still get that people are saying is ready to go. I I'm okay with that. I'll go that way. All right. I mean, personally, I, personally, I'd like. Um, I mean, I I like Ingram. His I know a lot has been made about his his arms, you know, lack of arm length. But I mean, I, I like the potential that Copel has. I can see him being another JPP. Um, I mean, if Whedon lasts till the second round, I'd be ecstatic if we could bring home either either Whedon or, or uh, either Ingram or Copels and Whedon. I think that would be a great draft for the Dolphins for the first two picks. That's a great question. So, I think it's that's the best mix of overall talent right there because how much better is Tannehill than Whedon? 
Yep. I mean, Tan- Tannehill, we hear about the upside, but, I mean, he's going to be a development project. I mean, Whedon, Whedon has plenty of upside, too. The guy has an absolute cannon for an arm. He's accurate. Uh, it's going to be a matter of whether he can take on that, that West Coast scheme. Yep. But and everybody says, I, I think I think that Whedon probably grades better than Tannehill if you take out his age. I would agree with that. I think that – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I agree with that, too. I, I actually – I mean, if you took age out of the, the equation here, I think Whedon is drafted before Tannehill, but obviously it is a factor. So maybe that causes him to slip and Dolphins can pick him up in the second round. Or maybe you'll see a, a case where they trade up uh, a little bit to get that guy. Right. It'd I think like with, last those, year. With, those, with those third round picks, you could be looking at a move to try to get back into the first round. No, I think he's onto something though. That that would be an awesome mix because you're getting uh, arguably the best pass rusher in this draft, and then you're bringing in a quarterback who could be a top three guy if he was a few years younger. Yep. And I I brought up this this parallel a couple of months ago, and a lot of people had a problem with it. I don't have as much of a problem with it, but Whedon would be the same age as Kurt Warner. Yep. And, I mean, it's not like Kurt Warner was getting starts elsewhere. I, I mean, he, he he went into Green Bay, and I don't think he even came out of his uh, audition for that. And then, I mean, he, he was behind Trent Green and was thrown in there. But I do see that parallel where he could come in and, I mean, he's right around that age. I mean, and Whedon could be something special. I mean, just, just I'm not going to write him off just because of his age. I think uh, I agree. And I, 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 go on. I was just gonna say I, I like I like the fact that he I mean obviously has a cannon for an arm he's he's got a quick release he's got that pocket presence and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination calling him Marino but he feels what's going on in the pocket and he can create enough space he's not he's not the best athlete in the world but he can create enough space with his feet to uh, elude the pressure of you know whoever's coming after him. Yep. That. And that goes back to um, what they were saying about Tannehill, that he may be the best pocket avoidance guy in the draft and that he has the agility. And people were arguing that how can you say he's a better athlete or better agility than uh, RG3? And I think there's a big difference between running ability and ability to dodge people versus ability to just make that one small step forward in the pocket that Marino used to do like mad, and somehow that defender goes flying right past you instead of sacking you. I agree 100%. And then uh, I think it was you, Keith, but maybe I'm wrong, but somebody pointed out on the site, we were just going mad over getting a guy who has four neck surgeries and is, what is he, 36 years old now? Are we really going to complain that we're going after a quarterback who's a little bit older in college than most quarterbacks? It it seems foolish. Saw a lot of stuff out of Whedon this year I really liked. And the age didn't bother me. I think right around I, – I started to become familiar with Whedon as a guy we'd, we'd possibly take right around uh, probably like mid-December. Probably right, right around the time Barkley decided he was going back to school. And I started to to pay more attention to Whedon. And I, I like him. I think he's got all the tools necessary to dominate the quarterback position. 
if he gets the right coaching, which I think we have in place. Yep. Yeah, I think I think we have the coach. I do too. I like it. Bill, who do you like more? Do you, are you more of a Tannehill guy, or do you, is it one of those things where you take Whedon in the second round, but you are, if you had your pick of it, you would take Tannehill? Uh, I think I, I personally, I, I think it's all uh, Chris Kaufman's fault, but uh, I'm I'm a Whedon supporter now. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, I've you know after watching. I mean, I'm by no means a draft expert or a quarterback expert, but just watching the kid play, I mean, you can't overlook the fact that he beat RG3, he beat Tannehill, and he beat Luck last year. I mean, the kid the kid has something. Yeah. I think Chris is the one who started up the – I think he called it bleeding for Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fact, I'm going to – I think he's the guy who got me into Whedon because I was all bummed out when Barkley went back to school, as, as a lot of Dolphins fans were, I think. Yep. And so I started looking elsewhere. He also, uh, I, he had to have some kind of info, be, inside info, because he was talking about Tyler Wilson from Arkansas possibly coming out. And I hadn't heard anything about that. And then suddenly I'm reading about draft stuff on ESPN, how Tyler Wilson has a, a decision to make because he had submitted paperwork. And I was like, wow, where's this guy getting his information from? Yeah, he's definitely got some inside info. Yeah, he's hooked up. It's awesome, though. Yep. So, I will uh, think Garden of Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, good. Uh, well, thanks for calling in, Bill. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yep. You have a good night. Take care. You too. You too. See ya. That's a pretty awesome question, and I hadn't really thought yeah, of that. Yeah. The fact that's, that we could go ahead and get a a, a sort of two for one deal. I am. I'm. I'm all about Tannehill right now, just because I think I've seen it so many places and so much that Tannehill's the guy. But I really, the the more that we're talking about it right now, and the more I'm thinking about it, I think Whedon might be the guy. I might. I might be able to get on that Whedon bandwagon. I think a lot of people are on that Whedon bandwagon. I think it, it's. It's somewhat subtle right now, but the, I mean, if you, a lot of people have brought it up. If you can look past his age, I mean, y- you have a potentially really special prospect there. So, I mean, it's it's really going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next three weeks, because I'm I'm, I'm a firm believer that we are going to take a quarterback at some point. I think it'll be within the first two rounds. And I think a lot of people are going to pummel the Dolphins if they don't take Ryan Tannehill at eight. But I wouldn't be so quick to to hop on that. I'd like to see if they they go back and make a move for a Wheaton or Osweiler again. Direct hate mail to KMB eight four eight eight. Maybe a, maybe a Cousins. I mean Cousins is a is a sleeper prospect still. And the funny thing is, I mean he. I watch him play, and I don't think he does anything bad. I mean, he's not – he doesn't have the, some kind of, like, glaring weakness where I'm like, ugh, pass. I mean, he seems like a smart yeah. kid. Uh, a better arm than people people expected, I think. Uh, a little bit of mobility. And, he, I mean, he scripted his own pro day. Literally ran that thing to a T. So, I mean, he's clearly organized, and he 
knows how to put it together. Um, looking through some oh. other questions. Is there any other questions we can take here? Strange says that uh, the Garden of Whedon wasn't his. It was Chris Kaufman. Uh, yes. That, that hurts <laughs> me a little bit. I know. I was, I, was, uh, I was applauding his efforts and only to find out. Well, Duke just asked the question of the hour. If we, we like Whedon more than Tannehill, do we take him at eight? I would say uh, definitely not. Because I don't. I'm, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. What are you gonna say? I think I'm still of the I'm I'm still of the uh, the mindset that it seems like this team is building up Tannehill, which is not the mo of this front office. I mean, we don't build up anyone, especially if we're going to take them. And I wonder if they're if they're just trying to raise the value of that pick. I you know I I, I wonder what's really going on, and and. And if you're sitting there at eight and the guy you want is not not there or the guy that you want is you know you can pick up later in the first, you know, later you know, later in the second round, you don't you have to shop that, that pick and see what, what value you can get for it, seeing as it's such a high pick? I saw some mock draft that uh presented the idea of someone trading into our spot to get Trent Richardson if he falls. Yep. Which what do we do? I, okay, so if Whedon is our guy, do we trade back to land him later in the first, or do we take somebody at eight and try to trade back into the first? I would do that. That's probably the better way because, I mean, I love the idea of those back-to-back picks in the third round, but if you're telling me that we can trade up and get two first-round talents or a first-round talent and a borderline first-to-second – I'm probably going that route. Well, when you if, if you look at if you look at the draft charts, let's say you move from eight to say twenty five, twenty six, somewhere in that range, you you should be able to pick up not only that first rounder that you traded for your first round, but next year's first rounder, and and even another maybe a second or third round in this year. That's a that's a high yeah. value pick. Hey, you James, can do a lot. Yes. Um, I'm I'm kind of worried about bringing this up, but yes. Since we're well over an hour into the show, so we probably need to be wrapping it up here in a minute. Yes. Dave over in the chat room says that he knows you got his text, and you better do it, or he'll be mad. You have to do it for his birthday. I can't. I can't read. I can't read the text while I'm on the phone. Uh, I've got. I've gotten five or six texts, and I don't know where they're coming from. So. <laughs> Sorry, tell, Dave. Tell, I can't tell, do it for you. Yeah, tell him to message me on on Facebook or something. I bet you have an idea of what he wants you to say anyway. Yeah, I, I have Probably no idea what I what I was supposed to say. But but um, you know, happy happy uh, birthday to Dave, which it was actually yesterday. Oh, well, happy birthday, Dave. How old is Dave? Dave? He's like yeah. 20, 23, 24. No. And now all he's doing is writing liar, 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 liar in the chat room. Yeah, he's upset. I was trying to do him. I was trying to do him. I was trying to do him a solid by saying he was twenty three, twenty four. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I actually turned twenty eight well, next week, so I'm not looking forward to that yeah. either. That sounds my. That sounds so young. Son, I'm going to be the same age as, as Brandon Whedon. <laughs> Dave writes 25. 
but my son 20, 20, 25. Weekend, so yes, it'll be it'll be good. And uh, oh, I think Earl's getting in on what Dave wants. Earl over in the uh, in the comments writes uh, the magical phrase that everybody seems to want text to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't. What was that? I, was, I, I don't even remember what it was. Howdy, y'all. Oh, 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 howdy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Because we got that southern right. twang. I guess. Do uh, I? It is yeah. A problem. You do. You do have a little bit of a southern twang. Oh my. It's 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 not as bad as uh as the thick New York or North New York. What did I just say? North Carolina. Um, accent that uh, that uh, Duke has. I was gonna say he doesn't talk like that Jersey Tony Sperano thing. Okay. <laughs> well, on that note, and since we seem to be drawing it down, and we've gone for an hour and twenty minutes tonight, we should probably oh, yeah, go we, ahead and. Uh, what's up? We definitely went over. I have to say that uh, looking forward to get back into the Garth role next week. Did not enjoy being Wayne. <laughs> you draw so many parallels. I'll, yes, I'll, but, uh, I'll, I'll try not to. Uh, I'll try not to uh, stand you guys up next week. Yeah, try not to spring cats on us next week, please. But yeah, yes. and um, one thing, guys, as you're listening and we're getting close to the show, I realized this this week, and I texted uh, Keith about it. I'm actually really excited about this, that we're doing this these podcasts on Thursday nights for one specific reason. In the whatever it was, 20 days and 22 hours or whatever it is, we should be podcasting during the draft. So we, we, we'll be able to do live reactions to whoever the Dolphins do pick in that first round. So it should be interesting. Oh, I see. I'm supposed to tell everyone that I love khaki people, Jerry Maguire style. I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what khaki people is. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Who told you to say that, Dave? Oh, I should have guessed. Animal says he will call in next week. Okay, right, and, 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 and my apologies to everyone that tried to call in this week. Um, you know, we'll work on getting that ironed out between now and then, and hopefully it'll be much, much, much smoother next uh, next go-round. Yeah. So you guys uh, have a good night. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again next week. Oh, oh, Dave. Dave wants me to say that I love black people. Yes, Dave, we all <laughs> love you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't, what is Jerry Maguire's we, style? I don't know what that is. <laughs> when he was yelling in the phone. Uh, I don't. As, I, I don't know that I've ever, ever even seen that movie. As uh, yeah. as we get ready to leave and uh, say goodnight, the last thing I will say is, uh, party on Keith, party on James, <laughs> party on Kevin. <laughs> Party on, Kevin. <laughs> Night, guys. Night. It's the two megastars summer mashup. The awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network.
Get the iPhone you've always wanted for zero dollars, so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.